Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specride para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. The Steelers added a new offensive assistant coach here. We'll talk about that on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, what it means for Matt Canada. I'm your host, Chris Carter, and we're joined by Brian, Brian Batko, one of our esteemed Steelers beat writers here at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. That, what Omar Khan's free agency has actually meant historically for the Steelers and some of the more top 30 visits that have come in to talk to the team. We're going to talk about all of that right here on, on the North Shore Drive podcast. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive Podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, hosted by Christopher Carter. Hello and welcome to the North Shore Drive Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. And today is the Wednesday episode of our show. We have Monday, Wednesday, Friday episodes here on your favorite podcasting app, but especially on YouTube. Like this video. If you see it on YouTube, subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of the daily content that comes out from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, as well as the Monday, Wednesday, Friday episodes of the North Shore Drive podcast, where we talk all things Pittsburgh sports. Brian Batko here from the Steelers Beat. Uh, also, you can find all of our work at post-gazette.com. Brian, the Steelers hired a new offensive coach this this uh, this, this morning, Wednesday morning. Uh, his name is Glenn Thomas. He comes from Arizona State. He's bounced around colleges for several years now. Uh, a guy who was an offensive coordinator in Arizona State. Before that, he was with UNLV, Baylor, Temple, all the way back. If you go back to the early, the late 2000s to the early 2010s, he was with the Falcons uh, and w- worked his way up to be a quarterback coach there. Does, is this a move that's mainly to help Kenny Pickett and Matt Canada, or is this Matt Canada's future replacement, do you think? I think he's just a supplemental coach and his title would, would give you that indication. They didn't give him the senior offensive assistant title or anything like that, as they did when they brought on Terrell Austin and Brian Mm. Flores, who, as we know, uh, were either, you know, qualified for more than a position coaching role or in Austin's case was the eventual successor to Keith Butler as the defensive coordinator here. So, uh, looking, you know, look, I'm not going to lie, Chris. I'd never heard of Glenn Thomas before today. No, yeah, we're not re- going to pretend like, oh, yeah, we've been watching yeah. him for years. Right. And, um, you know, I, I don't exactly pay very close attention to Arizona State, UNLV, Baylor, or <laughs> Temple football on a year in and year out basis. So, yes, I'm not going to pretend like I have a, a really firm grasp on who this guy was. Um, but, I think it does speak to, I mean, we've been saying on this show several times since the end of last season that one area where we thought the Steelers could improve was uh, making a little bit more of a commitment or investment to their ancillary coaching staff members that, you know, a lot of teams in the NFL are kind of passing them by when it comes to the amount of eyes and and hands that they have, uh, you know, uh, leading their team in the locker room and in the film room. So that's where I see this being. A, a, an improvement. I think when a lot of people envisioned the Steelers bolstering their offensive staff behind Matt Canada or under Matt Canada, whatever you want to call it, they were thinking more along the lines of a Byron Leftwich or 
a Jim Caldwell, somebody with some cachet uh, and, you know, a bigger name, somebody I would have heard of as opposed to Glenn Thomas. But uh, his resume, you know, is not all that different from Matt Canada's in a lot of ways. Um, when you look at, yeah. yeah, the various stops and at the collegiate level. But as you mentioned, Chris does have the NFL uh, experience to speak of that Canada did not before he was hired by the Steelers. You know, he was part of a staff that helped develop Matt Ryan in Atlanta. So yeah, I think a big part of his job probably will be uh, going over film with Kenny Pickett. You know, maybe Mike Sullivan is going to be more hands-on with the entire group of quarterbacks, but uh, this is somebody who, again, like we've said time and again here on the North Shore Drive, it doesn't hurt to have some more ideas coming in, uh, somebody else taking a look at how you're doing things and, and maybe helping you be better at what you do. You know, it's interesting. We were just talking about, we've talked about this a lot this offseason. You know, Mike Tomlin talked about, you know, not having too many cooks in the kitchen when he was at, at, at the owners' meetings. But it was something that we were saying, like, that's that's not good. We just saw Brian Flores come in and help you. And, yes, he is Brian Flores. He's, you know, a former NFL head coach that has a, a pretty good future ahead of him, and there's a lot of pedigree in that. But even if it's not Brian Flores, just having more eyes to help you see things on your own roster, in your own film, in your own team, and 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 more things, more more people to help trumpet the message that you're trying to say and and get to your guys and more like more ideas in the building, like you said. I, I don't see the problem with this, and maybe the Steelers are reluctantly kind of moving in that direction. They're trying trying to add more people to their room because you know he all his title is his offensive assistant. It doesn't he doesn't have a an assistant quarterbacks coach th- title. I don't believe Mike Sullivan's gone anywhere as the as the formal quarterback coach. Uh so he's just another guy in the building. Is this in your eyes maybe them starting to move in that direction or is this just probably maybe a temporary thing that they're doing because of their their circumstances right now? I'm thinking they understand that, you know, maybe they are lagging behind the rest of the league a little bit in terms of of what it takes to win. And, you know, one of the things that Mike Tomlin did say down there at at the owners meetings was uh, he likes a tighter staff, better to keep everybody on, you know, with one voice kind of on the same page as long as you're winning. And we all know that the Steelers have not been winning lately at the level they're accustomed to, at least in the postseason. So at that point, I do think it's fair to take a step back, reevaluate how you're doing things and, uh, you know, maybe discuss making a change. And, and clearly they are doing that. We probably don't want to make too much of this, Chris, as you noted. Um, you know, there's still the hierarchy of Matt Canada, Mike Sullivan. Um, there's even David Corley on the uh, staff as the assistant quarterbacks coach. And then you have Glenn Thomas, who does come in here with, uh, you know, with more experience than, than some of those other guys working with the offense. But he also, you know, he was at Arizona State uh, most recently. and if he were still there, he wouldn't have been looking for a job. So uh, <laughs> but here's what I'll say to that. The Steelers didn't hire him as far as we know to call plays or even necessarily be, you know, the number one eyes for Kenny Pickett. Uh, they probably hired him because there's something else that they like about what he's done in his past and his track record and just doing some very quick reading on him. I think I saw an article that said he's kind of renowned for his film study uh, as a offensive coordinator, or as a quarterback's coach, very detailed, picks up on a lot of nuances so if, if that is the case, uh, that, that certainly can't hurt Kenny Pickett's development. We, we know well how, uh, how invested he is in studying every little thing about not just the defenses, but his own game to try to improve. Why do you think they didn't? They aren't going with a Byron Leftwich or a Jeff Caldwell type guys that are established in the NFL, guys who have a, a, a track record. And Leftwich has a track record with Mike Tomlin in this organization as its quarterback. 
I don't know. I mean, there could be a lot of factors. Maybe the the Steelers didn't want to pay what it would take to get somebody like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe there was no obvious candidate who would would want to come onto a staff and be a quote unquote you know consultant type or analyst or uh, basically just have the role that Glenn Thomas is is going to have to attract somebody of that caliber. You might need to throw a little bit more at them, whether that's money or or title or responsibility. So. Um, I think it would have made sense. Uh, I've been saying that since the end of last season, both on this show, in mailbags, in chats. Uh, I, I think it was uh, the right, you know, I going way back, I thought they should have simply moved on from Matt Canada. But failing that, I think, uh, you know, it, it would have made a lot of sense to get somebody who could come in here and be a senior offensive assistant and uh, kind of oversee things and have a little bit more of a hand in it. But that didn't happen. I think that's water under the bridge. Now they are adding to the offensive staff in a slightly different way here. So uh, I think it it maybe tells you it's not just going to be status quo. Um, you know, I, I'm not suggesting that if Matt Canada is, you know, three and done and he's not here next year, that Glenn Thomas would be the next offensive coordinator. We know the Steelers like to hire from within, but they could decide to go in a completely different direction. But uh, no need to put the cart before the horse with that. Uh, it's just another staffing move for the Steelers. And as I tweeted, Chris, uh, you know, when they added him, I went to the steel, pulled up the Steelers coaching site uh, on their official Steelers.com uh, page. And they also have Gerald Alexander now listed as an mm-hmm. assistant defensive backs coach, who I think he was, a, if I'm not mistaken, I think he was around the team last year. And the, and the Steelers site actually says it's his second year, but I don't think mm-hmm. he was uh, ever publicly announced as, as an assistant coach, uh, but he's a former NFL player for, uh, right. Four or five years, uh, he was coaching the Dolphins defensive backs for a couple seasons. And before that, he was in college. So um, they've they've done a little bit more tweaking to the defensive staff than maybe it seemed uh, at the onset of this offseason. It's interesting. We'll see if they keep tweaking a little bit more. These are things that we were wondering if they would do this offseason and heading into free agency. It didn't look like they were doing one, but now they've added a couple names. We'll see what the what if there's more additions to be had and what the impact is on this upcoming season. But we also got to talk about uh, our friend Ray Fittipato wrote an interesting article about how Omar Khan's free agency period is actually kind of historic when you look at it over the span of the Steelers and what it means to the future. Is this the Steelers are the Steelers moves something that are just a right now situation because of the roster, or is this a sign of more things to come in future free agency periods? We'll talk about all that right here in the North Shore Drive podcast um, here in the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. But first, want to talk to you guys about our great sponsors at GameTime.co. It's where it's the ultimate app that's here to help you buy tickets for your favorite events. So it's not stressful, even if it's coming down to the last minute. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy your tickets for any event, whether it's sports, music, comedy, theater, anything near you. It'll help you find. They give you killer deals on last minute tickets and they give you their best price guarantee that you can stop stressing over the tickets that you're getting and the prices that you might be having to pay if you're running out of time. The game time app allows you to book tickets at the last minute. If you didn't plan for out in advance, that happens to me a lot. Whenever I'm looking at things, I'm like, man, I wasn't sure if I'd be able to make this. Then all of a sudden I want to be able to go to that concert. I want to be able to go to that event, but then the prices are jacked up because it's at the last minute and people know that's going to happen. Well, at game time, 
they're going to help you beat those types of prices and get those ticket deals to your favorite events. And this, this applies to all events, football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy events, uh, music theater, anything you want. Game time is going to be able to help you find it. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in your same section in the same row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference between those prices. Snack tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account and use the code P-I-T-T, PIT, for $20 off your first purchase or go to their website, gametime.co. That's G-A-M-E-T-I-M-E.co. Terms and apply. Create an account and redeem code PIT, P-I-T-T, all capital letters, all one word, to get $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Llegaron los Pro Paint Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specright para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. Back here in the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, I'm Chris Carter. He's Brian Batko. We're talking about the Steelers. We just got done talking about the new hire, but let's take a step back and look at free agency because there were some more additions. We talked about that with Ray Fittipato, uh going into this week that we saw at the end of last week. Uh, Keanu Neal signed at safety. Uh, Braden Fajoko signed at defensive line. That goes along with basically revamping the entire linebacker room, getting Patrick Peterson uh, down the line. You could talk about a lot of different moves the Steelers have made, all the tinkering they've done with the offensive line. And Ray Fittipato made an interesting, just kind of historical perspective point on this and that this is – in a sense, it is historic and the way that the Steelers have done it, the way the Steelers have been this aggressive in free agency to retool their roster. And, and Brian, the way I see it as a person who also talks about and thinks about and, and you know does things on the Steelers as well, like I, I get it that, yeah, this is historic, but is this more so because this is now a franchise that is revamping a lot without its franchise quarterback? This is the first year where Ben Roethlisberger has been off the books completely. Uh, his dead money's not a factor anymore. This is their chance to kind of redo a little bit of things. Is this more so just that, and they're taking advantage of that, or is this part of maybe what Andy Wilder and Omar Khan as a team are going to be as a front office for the Pittsburgh Steelers over the next several years? I, I think it's it's slightly different in terms of their philosophy and approach, but I mean, even last year, Chris, you know, we've talked about this, uh, you know, they did make a lot of moves and some of, some of which were under the radar, um, you know, guys like DeMonte KZ, who was signed, I think on day three of the draft, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. he ended up being a pretty valuable contributor at the time of that signing. I, I don't know that anybody really thought too much of it, but um, let's, you know, let's not act like they didn't go out there and try to fill a lot of holes similarly uh, to the way they're doing so this offseason. Um, you know, it's it's generally, I think, the same approach. But, yeah, maybe a hair more aggressive here and there with somebody like Patrick Peterson who, you know, under Kevin Colbert, the Steelers shied away more from those older players who might be on the downswing of their career. Melvin Ingram being an exception, uh, a notable one. We'll see what happens with Bud Dupree. He would be kind of in that same vein. Uh, Isaac Sayomalo um, got you know pretty good money, uh, I think, and it was 
not in that initial wave of free agency. It was a, a little bit, uh, you know, after the dust settled uh, from around the league. So uh, I think the Steeler and, and Omar Khan said this when he was hired as GM last summer that, you know, the Steelers way, such as it is, um, he's not going to budge from that too much, but he does have some new ideas and the people he was bringing in are going to have some new ideas. So I think the changes you're going to see are going to be somewhat incremental. They might not even be very obvious to us on the outside. It could be a method of how they're handling things or how they're looking at the roster or how they're stacking their draft board behind closed doors that impacts some of this. Because, you know, a guy like Braden Fajoko, I, I like the signing. I think it it makes a lot of sense for what they did and didn't have on the roster right now. But I also think he's coming in here and he's going to have to compete. Uh, you know, there's yeah. no guarantee uh, that he's going to make this 53, depending on who falls to them in the draft. You know, Keanu, Keanu Neal, I would assume he's going to be here after signing a two-year deal. But, uh, you know, that's what really what they're trying to create. And, you know, Omar has said this, I, I think, through the combine in the few media interviews that he's done since the end of last season. Uh, Mike Tomlin has touched on this a little bit more in, in recent training camps when they've added guys either on with waiver claims or some of the minor trades that they've made. They really just want to add more veteran depth and experience and competition so that they can make sure they have a pretty tough 53 from top to bottom. I, I think when you had the killer bees of Ben, A.B., <laughs> and Le'Veon Bell, you could get away with a little bit more of a studs and, and duds approach. Uh, no offense to anybody else who was rounding out those rosters. Oh, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think you were way more top heavy then. And now they're starting to understand, you know, a- after watching what happened against Buffalo last year, after watching yeah. what happened when they went to Philadelphia, after watching what happened in the playoff game against the Chiefs a couple years ago, that, you know, they were outclassed in those games. And I think it's just uh, – it's a harsh reality that you really need to improve the overall talent level of your club. And that's why you're seeing some of these moves that uh, do, you know, they're, they're not the biggest names. They're not going to get highlighted on NFL network, but uh, it should make for a, a much more difficult roster to crack once you get out there to St. Vincent. No, absolutely. I mean, just let's just look at the offensive line, for example. You and I talk about this a lot. Like last year, they were extremely lucky, lucky that no one had to miss a start because if they had to go to Jesse Davis or Trent Scott, it was gonna be a it was gonna be even rougher than it was yeah. already for the Steelers offensive line. But this year, you get Samalo and you get her big to add to the interior offensive line. Now you're in a position where like Kevin Dotson may be your second or third guy off the bench for the uh, for for the for the interior offensive lineman, and they're still bringing in uh, interior offensive linemen for their top thirty visits, and, and like that, that's a possibility there. Now they haven't added uh, you know much at offensive tackle. They got Laraven Clark, who is probably more of a swing tackle option that they'll bring off the bench. Pretty but, similar to signing Trent Scott last offseason exactly. for the most part. Yeah, but let, let's say they draft an offensive tackle, which you know they seem to have a lot of interest in doing, and they and, and maybe they still add another interior offensive lineman. They have a rotation at offensive line. They haven't had that. For a while, like you know, it, you know, and I guess it, I mean maybe you could go back four or five years or so when, uh, when they still had the kind of that core of their offensive line together, and then they were kind of just bringing in extra guys here and there. But having that back, you know, and applying that to the defensive line, maybe to the linebacker room, to the cornerback room, to your secondary in general, 
I think all those types of things, like you said, it makes it a more balanced roster and puts you in a position where if you lose a guy or two, it doesn't crush you, and it gives you flexibility with the different play calls that you're going to be having, the schemes that you can roll out. Yeah, and in this draft, um, you know, we've we've certainly done a lot of episodes of this show and, yes. uh, you know, the Saturday YouTube shows on it. It's a deep draft, and I think there there are some positions that are deeper than most years. So with the Steelers picking where they are and with just the way that this draft seems in terms of, you know, outside of a couple guys and then obviously your quarterbacks being uh, – difficult to project even by the analysts here less than a month away of who's going to end up where uh, in, in terms of you know their value and their stock uh, I think it makes a lot of sense for the Steelers to leave themselves a lot of options for that first round pick so that they can go best player available more than you normally would because of course they say that every year but it, there's that asterisk that caveat it's best player available within reason or at a position of need They've set themselves up to not really have a true position of need at the moment. You know, there are a starter, there are starter caliber players basically everywhere. You could argue slot corner, but uh, you know, other than that, um, they've got guys who have started games in the NFL or you know look like they can start games in the NFL if they have to. And they've got you know, you look at the offensive line; they've got guys who have started games for them for a year or two or more. So. Uh, there's no glaring hole or weakness that other teams around the league can look around and say, we've got to move up ahead of the Steelers if we want to get this guy, because they're, they're more of a wild card this year than in seasons past. I agree. You know, having that balance could be a, a, a resource of strength on draft day where it makes them unpredictable and also makes it so that they can be aggressive where they want to be aggressive instead of necessarily having to just stick to one posi- position group that makes it so that, hey, if we miss this group, we're going to be in a lot of trouble when training camp opens in uh, in late July and early August. But let's talk. I want to talk more about some of the top 30 visitors that have come in recently and what it says about their draft plans that they have so far with some of the guys that they've targeted. We'll get to all that right here on the North Shore Drive podcast from Chris Carter and Brian Backo. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast, Chris Carter and Brian Batko talking more Pittsburgh Steelers here for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Brian, we've we've had a few more top 30 visitors here, which, you know, the Steelers get 30 official pre-draft visits from the guys that they're looking at. And it's a lot of defensive players rolling in. And they've had their occasional offensive guys in. Cody Mock came in recently, uh, offensive lineman Charlie Jones and, you know, Jonathan Bingo, uh, you know, all, another guy that could be in the, that's in the mix there. But this week, we've seen you know Deontay Banks, the cornerback out of out of Maryland, who tested extremely well at the combine. Uh, Tuli Tui Peloto, Keanu Benton, uh, Julius Brents, all those guys, defensive names, and some of the guys that are in those tiers of their positions after the top guys go, like Keanu Benton, the guy from Wisconsin, who a lot of people like, but he's not in the you know the the first the, the early first round range. Like he's not getting picked at seventeen. He's probably getting it picked at thirty two or forty nine if the Steelers. Right. Speaking of Julius Brents, a cornerback out of Kansas State, same ilk, where he's not with the, the Witherspoons and the Joey Porter Juniors and the Gonzalez's, but he's probably in that next tier where he probably goes in the set in the second round. Um, Deontay Banks also kind of in that same same kind of tier here. 
what are you, are you reading much into some of these top 30 visits and how it relates to a draft plan that the Steelers are formulating? Or is this just they're doing their due diligence trying to make sure that they're getting all the different guys who they might be able to get, especially on day two? Yeah, no, nothing's really stood out to me too much. You know, last year it was pretty obvious with the <laughs> amount of homework they were doing on the quarterbacks, right, that uh, they were strongly leaning that way in the first round. I, I think this season – it's more all over the place because like we just talked about in a previous segment, tough to pin down what exactly they need the most or where they're going to use, uh, you know, their first few picks and they've got the extra pick this year. So it helps to, uh, to get a better read on some of those uh, early day two guys or, or maybe early third round guys who are, they're going to have a, you know, three cracks at them uh, as opposed to the two that they normally would. So uh, it seems like a lot of intriguing names coming in here to me, Chris. Uh, you know, players with good combinations of their testing numbers at the combine, their production in college, their physical uh, traits. So uh, it's it's looking like you know a lot of guys that that I'll be considering when I do my mock draft later this month are, are coming in through the doors at the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex. So I guess that's a good sign for uh, you know the Steelers and I. Are, are kind of viewing a lot of these players in in similar ways, and uh, they're they're on the same page as me when it comes to the positions that they still feel they need to address. You don't see them bringing in a b- bunch of running backs or tight ends or anything like that. They're right. uh, they're certainly uh, turning over every stone at you know D line uh, in the defensive uh, secondary and some receivers too, because I think we can all agree that they could uh, you know they could use an upgrade there. Uh, the interior linemen visiting throw me off a little bit. I don't yeah, think they're going to go. Points. Yeah, I don't think they're going to go that direction. But uh, you never know. I mean, we've we've heard from Mike Tomlin how many times you know you circle back on a guy and here's if he gets waived or if you trade for him and he says you know we we got to know him pre-draft. That's also uh, why you conduct some of these visits with guys who maybe weren't on your radar or you don't think the Steelers are going to draft them this April. Yeah, no, yeah. I think that you know we've seen that. I mean, Minka Fitzpatrick is a perfect example of of that. You know, the guy that they knew. Hey, we're not getting that guy, but if if right. he ever came around, it'd be nice to get them. Nice to know that guy. And now he's an All Pro safety for them. Um, and not that Osiris Torrance is that guy. Maybe he becomes that as an interior offensive lineman, and that you know that's a relationship that they hold on to. But I, I agree, interior. You're right? Yeah, they're getting they're getting to know them exactly. Yeah. Getting to know these guys, establishing the relationships—that's cool. But I, I do, I do think still there's a lot of plans to draft defensively early in this NFL draft class, uh, especially with the corners that can fall to you, the defensive linemen. Uh, there's some really good depth there, and still, yes, they're going to address the offensive line. I do think they address receiver at some point. I don't think that they do it necessarily in the first round, maybe not in the second round. I think the third round could be the sweet spot for the types of receivers that they're looking at. You know, Mingo out of Mississippi State, he's more of a or Ole Miss, excuse me. He's a um, he, you know, he's a bigger slot option who can get vertical and win combat catches for you, uh, and he's thicker than a George Pickens, so he could kind of replace the role that Chase Claypool and Juju Smith-Schuster were kind of filling in the in recent years for the Steelers. Um, you know, but at the same time, like like it's like you and I are both kind of saying right here, uh, this the defensive positions. There's a lot that they can add to here because they need to get younger there. They, as much as they like, you know, they're they're probably happy with Cam Hayward and Larry Ogunjobi being their starters in the interior defensive line. Both of those guys are on the back ends of their careers. You know, Cam's probably got maybe two more years on on, on his ledger as far as being you know a, a, a talent that can kind of change games for them. And then Larry Ogunjobi, they signed to a three year deal, but. 
you know, he's another guy in his late 20s and his early 30s. You need more young guys like DeMarvin Leal who could kind of become that next generation sooner rather than later. Uh, and then that also linebacker that you signed two free agents, but you'd probably like a young linebacker to be in the, in that mix who could kind of learn from them and eventually become your guy there. And then the and someone who's a little different than Mark Robinson, maybe someone who's bigger, maybe exactly. more coverage oriented as opposed to a see mm-hmm. ball, get ball type of guy. So that, that's, that's what I always say when we, you know, get closer to draft season, you know, get different types of pieces. You know, if you, yes. if you feel like you've got the outside receivers, start trying to throw a, a little bit more resources at a slot guy and, and don't mm-hmm. have, you know, too many overlapping uh, types of players on your roster. So I think they are doing a really good job of that. Just to, you know, to say that again, um, I'll, I'll reiterate that I don't think they're doing a ton more in free agency than they have in, in years past. We didn't see them go out and make the, the big, you know, Tremaine Edmonds type of signing or anything along right. those lines, but uh, they are covering all their bases, no doubt about it. And I think that's uh I think that's something that has been ingrained in this organization's DNA from the days of Kevin Colbert as their GM. And, you know, as opposed to last year, when I think we were all kind of sitting here saying, sure, looks like they're going to pick a quarterback. We just don't know necessarily which one, Um, you know, this, this year it's at least right now, it's a lot harder to call. No, I I, I agree. I mean, you know, I get cornerbacks, another position where they could use a young guy, but again, I think this is all a good thing. I think that still, you know, yeah, sure. They didn't get the big signing in free agency, but they put themselves in position to not need the big signing right now. Now they just need to make sure, Hey, let's get a guy who's talented. I think they also don't have to necessarily get guys with who kind of have just higher floors and don't have as high ceilings. Like, you know, recently brought in Tyreek Stevenson. I like Tyreek Stevenson at cornerback at Miami, but he looks more of like the guy that when he matures into his, full NFL, you know, potential, he'll be a good cornerback, not ne- maybe not necessarily, a, you know, a game changer here. And I think that they put themselves in a position where you don't need to just get guys who are going to be safe picks. I think you can get guys who have a, have a higher upside that can grow into being some of your game changers in, in the near future. You're absolutely right. And somebody that you don't have to lean on to be a starter from day one, you know, if you get a, a kind of, de- well, let's just say a developmental center mm-hmm. or uh, a developmental corner in the second or third round. Yes, it's it's a uh, long-held kind of principle for the Steelers that if you're a third-round pick or higher, we expect you to be a starter for us someday. But that doesn't mean you have to be one right away. Too often in years past, the Steelers have had to rely on those guys to step in right away. Kendrick Green is the poster child for that. Yeah. So, um, you know, if you if they would have had a better roster in place at that time, they wouldn't have had to go that route as much or they right. wouldn't have been tempted to maybe. And p- perhaps the entire trajectory of his career is different. I don't know. <laughs> maybe I could be completely wrong on that. Uh, maybe he just didn't have it. But uh, as you project that to this year's draft, you get somebody who you, you really like the traits, uh, but you can he can have a year to learn behind Mason Cole and develop and maybe he's a starter for you in year two. And similarly, not the same exact way, but Devin Bush, you know, whereas he started stronger, you know, he started strong, kind of got injured. Then he kind of became, you know, he's now he's with the Seahawks and it didn't work out, but they drafted him because they needed, they traded up to get him because they needed a linebacker and they weren't filling it in free agency. And they needed a guy that to fit that exact type. Uh, And that was more of a move where if they had, and granted that was also a, a different circumstance, Shazier's injury, and then they tried to fill it for a year. It didn't work. Yeah, so they, they had Mark went, Barron that year, but he was on his last legs, I think. Exactly. It was, was pretty clear. Right. And so 
in those in that situation, at least in, in my eyes, like you know, that was another situation where they 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 needed to get an off ball linebacker. Whereas, like you said, now this year they could get an off ball linebacker, but they could also get an offensive tackle or a cornerback or a defensive lineman. Or uh, there's a lot of different places that they can go. Again, a position of strength for the Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll see how they continue to use that position of strength in the coming in the coming weeks. It's only a few more weeks now before the NFL draft that starts Thursday night. April 27th, we'll have we'll have our team fully on hand and ready to go here at the Pittsburgh Post because that's giving you all the great coverage. Brian, thanks again for joining us. Thank you all for joining us here on the North Shore Drive podcast. Again, subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app and especially on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoyed it and get this at the Monday, Wednesday, Friday episodes from this show as well as the daily content from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. We'll be back Friday talking more Steelers and getting you ready for the home opener of the Pittsburgh Pirates as they return to Pittsburgh to take on the White Sox. Lots to talk about. We will see you then. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you're watching this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6, click the link down below in the description. Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specride para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios.